You are listening to The Benchcast with your host, Elvis Mendez and Coach Ben. We are live on Instagram right now. Swig of coffee for the work of men. Damn good. Elvis had a meet this past weekend. It's probably one of the worst meets I've ever had. Couldn't be worse than the first one, right? Couldn't be worse than the first one. First one you bombed? First one I bombed. This one, I hit all three openers. All right, so it's better <laughs> than the first one. So that's, that's progress. It's progress. What'd you end up doing? Ended up with... Why don't you give uh, us a quick recap for the listeners, wondering uh, how you did. All right, so I hurt my quad last month. It's kind of rough. Squats, the warm-up felt awful. Ended up with a 355 opener. Uh, bench just... Which isn't that bad for you. Not that bad. It's not your best, right? But it's definitely not, bad. not my best. Definitely not. I remember you were having a hard time with the lower threes. Yep, yep, that was rough. So then bench, bench is always hit or miss. You know, you always joke around with me. It's either two plates or uh, two and a quarter. You know, yeah, it's very sporadic. This, this was on the low side of things. This was a uh, two thirty. Mm-hmm. That was rough. Then deadlifts. That's open. really not too bad either. But a pause. I mean, it could be worse. Could be worse. Opener deadlift, that went up smooth. Second attempt, that went fine, 515. So you went four for nine. I went four for nine, yep. Yeah, that's not, that's not And then uh, third. That's not great, though. Third, def, third deadlift, just tried to get an all-time PR. Ended up just missing it, lockout. It'll be there. That's usually a weak point. Yep, I, I got two months, and then uh, we can hit it at uh, sort of dim. Isn't that pace. when, uh, isn't that when the last one you did, the charity thing, you lost that lockout, right? I lost the lockout at 545, same spot. It's a clear weak point. Clear weak point. I got some uh, got some hip thrusts to do. I got some lockout drills to do. So we'll some get glute there. Shit. Some glute shit. Did you try a kneeling hip thrust? I have. I'm, yeah, those are good. Adding them in. Those are good. I've been doing that. My hips been feeling great. I'm trying to hit six plates by the end of the year. So this has got to... Got to hit those. This problem has got to solve itself. Yeah, guys. We don't talk about squat. Well, I guess on here we do a little bit. But we do... We do don't talk about squats dead so much, but man, does a kneeling hip thrust really help out? Um, I've been liking them. I don't know. My hips have been feeling better than they have in a long time doing my training. Um, my lower back's been pretty spared, so might have something to do with the hip work. Been doing that in core and uh, like core work for majority of accessories on the other days. Well, keep my bench stuff going. Got a massage the other day. It was great. Michelle, she's local to here. If anyone's in the Long Island, New York area. Uh, I would recommend her. She does a fantastic job. You know, most of those massage places, you don't know what you're going to get, even if you sign up for deep tissue. Um, you know, if you're a power lifter, you got a lot of meat on your bones. You got to get in there real good, and not many people do that. I think when I was on a little, uh, was on a cruise and I had a little you know, foo-foo spa thing, and I, I got a, um, a free gift there, so I got a massage, and they recommended the bamboo because this little Asian lady, she wasn't going to be able to put much deep tissue in. So they had to smack me with a stick instead. So, you know, but a lot of places, they aren't going to be able to dig in. So you got to find a place that's really going to be able to, or someone that's going to really be able to dig into you if you want sufficient massage that's actually going to get the job done. I feel a lot better now. Um, you know, a little beat up, but feel a lot better, a lot looser in the traps and whatnot. And trying to get that more regularly, that's going to help a ton. But that's a big uh, big thing is no matter where you go, you gotta got to find different people, uh, try different people out. You know what I mean? It takes a while before you, you find what actually works well. But, uh, yeah, I got that done the other day. 
and um, we had to meet this past weekend. I was competed, so that was good. That was long though. I knew it was gonna be long. Didn't I tell you that? I was. Yeah, I went from about uh, what eight o'clock in the morning, like start to a couple different meets go in the same day. Yep, ten fifteen at night. I called ten o'clock. I went beyond what I called. I knew because when you get a bunch of multiply guys, things slow down a bit. Oh. There was uh there was someone tore their tricep most likely on the bench too. That, yep, I saw that. Yep, that was that freaks me out. Oh yeah, that was that was weird. That was things got weird. So we got um, well, I got an AT and T spammer coming in here. We should bring him on air. <laughs> I'm gonna spare him though. All right, so today we're gonna talk about since meat was going on. Last week, and we're going to talk about how to be a good meat handler because a lot of people, when they're handling people at meets, whether they're a coach or not, or just a friend, um, you know, you have a lot of responsibilities as a handler. And someone puts all their time and effort into a training cycle, and you as a handler can really F it up real quick. Um, you know, the first thing's actually showing up to the damn meet, uh, which is probably 50% of people don't actually do. Uh, most coaches out there, um, you know, they don't even show up. To the meet, I can't tell you how many times I'll be at a meet and someone's uh, asking questions or whatnot, and then you ask like, "Where's their coach or something?" And then they say they didn't, they couldn't make it today or whatever the case may be. But a lot of people just don't show up. And then if you're relying on someone the whole training cycle, you get someone to wrap you the whole training cycle, and then they don't even show up at the meet. That's gonna be you know a huge detriment to you. Um, this person's been helping you out this whole time, and then they're not even there. So. You have to battle is just showing up on the damn day that you're supposed to show up. So if you're going to commit, then you got to commit. You know, if you say you're going to be there for someone on that day, you got to be there. That That's the number one thing coming down to being a good meat handler. If you don't think you can take on those responsibilities, don't even bother telling someone that you're going to be there for them. Swiggy coffee for the working man. It's still in the 9 o'clocks. So... I'm going to recap some stuff that will make you a good meat handler, okay? And you don't have to be necessarily coached to do this. You could be helping out a friend or whatever, but these are people that are relying on you because there's a lot going on in the meat, and you can make it much easier for whoever you're helping out that day um, by doing these few things, and a lot of things maybe you didn't even think of before. And anyone joining us in the live, we're talking about being a good meat handler. If you want to post up some comments about your experiences at meats, um, whether it's something good that your meat handler does for you or something that you help your friend out with or whatever, you can post it down below. Um, if you have any questions, as usual, post up your questions. Um, we'll take that on air. Got a question from Papa Fozzie. Want to read it out? My shoulder gives out anything over 300 pounds, so I have to use a slingshot. Even shirted, my shoulder can't take it. Do you think equipped meat should allow slingshots? Um, well, I do believe some actually even do, my friend. Um, so, for example, Metal Militia started allowing um, Rich Putnam's Bench Freak Band. Uh, just the band portion last year it wasn't even a full shirt, so it's not even something you wear. Um, so, I imagine uh, they would allow a device as well. I mean, you'd figure. And then I believe SPF actually has a slingshot division. So that is an option as well. So I think you could find a way to compete with the slingshot. And I think the way things are going, um, you could definitely find a way to compete with just those devices on. Um, and I think that will happen sooner than later, probably. Um, 
But yeah, you could get something like a bench daddy, which is basically like a slingshot device, kind of, uh, into a, a shirt. So you're not gonna be, it's not gonna be aggressive as a, um, as a bench shirt. And you know, I've talked to some people who use the bench daddy and whatnot, and they say how much of a lifesaver it is because um, now they're not getting like pinched off in the bicep or having shoulder issues. And same with Ridge Putnam's new bench freak band shirt there, um, the bench freak shirt. That is a more of a banded shirt, so you're not going to get the cuts and beat up like you are in a bench shirt. So, yeah, there's definitely options out there. Uh, Scott jumped in. SPF does have it. That is a division. So there are ways you could compete with that. Um, but if your shoulder's really beat up, uh, make sure, if you're not already, I'm sure you probably are, but you're going and seeking uh, why your shoulder's a mess and then trying to get that in good shape because uh, that goes beyond lifting. You want to be good for anything else you're doing. All right, so we're going to cover being a good meat handler. I made some checkpoints, Elvis. So if you want to jump in with anything of your own, too, during the courses, if anything pops up, just let me know. You got it. I got a ton of stuff to throw in. All right, so first one, being prepared when your lifter isn't. All right, now a lot of lifters uh, forget silly things. Singlets, they forget singlets. You'd be surprised how some good lifters forget their damn singlet. Can't compete without a singlet. You understand that. So you got to want to make sure that, especially if your lifter's pretty airy in the head, you bring a damn singlet or something like that. Um, also, uh, they're not going to probably bring, I've seen lifters not bring water to a meet. Um, a water jug, not saying that that's on you, but if your lifter's a little weird, Maybe you should tell them just to bring her damn water. Belts. If you have an extra belt, I usually, what I do, if I'm going to help someone, I usually just bring my whole gear bag. So I'm going to have a shirt belt, my regular belt. I'm going to have backup equipment. I'm going to have knee wraps. Um, you know, all things that you as a lifter should take care of. But me as a handler or coach, uh, I will have those things in my presence typically. So I can't tell you how many times I've had to go run to my car to grab this or that. Um, but being prepared when your lifter isn't, is, is big because you're going to come up in the clutch is if you bring a bunch of shit with you, or you're going to come up in the clutch, not only for your, your guy, but plenty of guys at the meet, um, you know, you're going to be a fan favorite back there. If you bring all the shit, everyone's forgetting. All right. So that's number one. Just think of those things ahead of time. Like I said, I always keep my gym stuff in my in my uh, back of my car. So, I mean, it's no problem for me when I get there to just run out to the car to grab something if we forget it. But you want to be prepared on all levels. All right. We got a question from Sandroid. Let it rip. Recently started upping my bend frequency to five, six times a week. Great That's a shit ton. Great results in bench, but significant straining my pecs more often on the deadlift. Anything I do mitigate, or is it just inevitable? I would cut that down a shit ton. Um, that's like benching every day. Now, I'm not against higher frequency benching. Uh, I'm not saying you can't do that. I'm saying that you could probably have just as good results not doing that much. Um, so if you're just doing it for the sake of doing it, then I would just really cut that down because you're going to bring more intensity when you're fresh. Um, usually two days a week is more than sufficient because what's going to happen, even if it's super light, you know, you're gripping that bar, you're going through that range of motion um, a lot of times, and it's just going to promote some wear and tear there. I know just by me gripping the bar and getting tight to it, 
And, you know, I way I treat my training is I don't sandbag it, right? I'm going to give 100% effort even to the lightweight. So that actually take a lot out of me just trying to set up and squeeze the bar, bend the bar with my back, um, a lot of torque on the, the joints and whatnot. So I would just cut that down. There's really, there's, there's, you could get so much more progress just doing less. If you're a bench only guy, it sounds like you're doing full power though. Um, I do have them do some benching like three times a week, but typically two days a week is plenty fine. And I think you're going to find all those pec strains start to go away. Um, but also what happens on the deadlift, if you get rounded over and you're in a position where you have to pull your shoulders back, um, you're going to easily strain your pec. I think I did last deadlift session because I had to pull back a little bit harder. That's when you're going to start feeling some strain in your pec. So watch your starting position. Make sure your shoulders are locked back when you're deadlifting, and you should eliminate all that. Cut down bench in twice a week. All right. Moving on, and guys, post your questions below. We're talking about how to be a good meat handler. If you got any stories from any meats in the past, shoot them up. All right, rack heights. All right, so before anything even starts at the meat, make sure your lifters' rack heights are good. If they don't take rack heights for bench, um, if they have a competition bench out or anything, try to get your lifters on that uh, just to know where they are. But you can adjust that at the platform too. But rack heights for squats, make sure when you get in there, especially if you've never been at a meet before, at weigh-ins or whatever, make sure you get your rack height. Um, because the last thing you want is to be in a monolith, the rack's up too high, you got a shit ton of weight on your back, and then they pull it forward, and it pulls you forward. And then it's, it's just a big shit show from there. So make sure you got your rack height down. It's inexcusable not to have that down. Um, that's something you should take right off the bat. All right, so if you're going in there coaching or helping someone, rack heights, get that done. Uh, set up camp. I like using that term, set up camp. It's a good one. As when you walk into the gym, you assert your authority on a piece of land. All right, you gather your chairs, you gather your gym bags, you gather your team, whoever you're with, and boom, you set up your camp. All right, so that's like setting up a fire, fire pit, a little powwow. Right, you got your bags there, you got all your shit there. That is your piece of land, that is your territory. All right, that is your camp. Set that up. That's the first thing I'll do, actually. I'll walk right into the meat, boom, this is our freaking camp right here. All right, um, check the flights when the flights get posted. This is all stuff that happens before like the meat even starts, warrants even start. Okay, check the flights. So they're gonna post that up on a wall. Um, you're going to have that posted somewhere, whether it's online, on a wall, whatever. Check your flights. Make sure whoever you're helping out, make sure that um, you know where they're going. All right? So if they're second flight, third flight, whatever the case may be, because that's going to dictate when you start to warm up. So if they're first flight, you got to be on that because that's going to happen like right after rules meeting or anything like that. But you got to know where your lift, what flight your lifter is in, and also you need to know where in the flight they are at so if they're last in the second flight they could probably take a warm-up attempt right when that flight begins if need be so you got to know those two things when you're checking the flight list all right um, what was the name of the other thing papa fozzy said bench daddy and what was the other bench freak bands bench freak band um is available benchfreak.com rich putnam's thing uh but i don't think his shirt is up on his website so if you want the Bench Freak shirt, um, you have to well, message him uh, on Facebook. His name is Rich Putnam. 
Rich and then P U T N A M. Um, so if you shoot him a message on Facebook, uh, I think that's the best way to get it from him right now. I don't think it's on his website yet. But yeah, the, even the Bench Freak ban, I think, is allowed metal militia meets and whatnot. Um, that's just a federation I know of. I, I'm not sure if there's any others or not, but I will be benching in his shirt in December at a metal militia meet. Alrighty. So, after you check flights, time everything out. That comes down to, you know, knowing where your lifter is in the flight as well. You want to time everything out. Okay, so, um, just like I said, if he's at the end of the flight, or she's at the end of the flight, you can time things out to where you could take a last warm at the beginning of the flight. Or you know when to start warming up, and that's usually the flight before. Now, if you have someone that's working up to a lot of weight multiply, I could see you warming up, you know, even earlier than that. Um, maybe just doing some raw stuff or whatever, getting up to where you need to be. But, um... You got to time everything out for them because the last thing you want on your lifter's plate is worrying about when to take attempts, when to start warming up. If you are coaching or you are handling a lifter, you are everything. You are the timekeeper. You are everything that day. So they shouldn't be worrying about when to warm up. You should be like, sit your ass down and I'll tell you when to take an attempt. Otherwise, you're just chilling. You tell them, you literally tell them everything. Okay. Um. And bring a warm-up sheet. There is no excuse for not knowing warm-ups or what to put on the bar. That's the last problem you want to have is thinking if you're in kilos that day, oh shit, I got to convert everything. Or not even knowing how you want to warm up. That's horrible. Um, that should be something that is already thought of previously to entering the meet. All right, so... Typically what I'll do is I'll have a printout sheet that I'll carry around with me or I'll have it on my phone. All right, and I know how many attempts my lifter will take, uh, whether it's I recommend six or seven, we'll get to that, but um, I'll know what they're going to take. If it's a kilo meat, I'll have everything converted to what I need in kilos. Um, if the bar weighs a certain amount, like RPS, right? An RPS meat, the squat bar is 65, the bench bar is 50. Uh, a lot of people don't know that, and, uh, you know, I can't really expect you to know that unless you went to one of their meets. But they do post it online, so you should be checking lifter rules, make sure that you know what the equipment is and stuff. And I'm pretty sure it also gets discussed at the rules before. Yeah, so you'll know. Too. So if you don't make quick adjustments, you could do that. But um, you should uh, have that ready to go. So that is the last thing you want to worry about. Have that all prepared out. If I can't make it to a lifter's meet, say they live, you know, God forbid they're over, they're overseas. You know, I'm not going to make it to every one of those. Or if they're across the country, all right, I can't make it to all those meets. So if I know um, I can't be there for one of my online lifters, right, so I will send them the plan the week before. They'll put the openers in. I'll, I'll give them some structure, like if this goes well, um, you're going to hit in this range depending how it feels. I'd like you to try to aim for the top end or, you know, there'll be some discussion of if you miss the opener, take the opener again. Or if you miss the opener, you can go up a little if you feel good. It depends on the person, but we are going to have that type of discussion beforehand, okay? Um, but if you're there at the meet with somebody, have a plan ready. Even if it's a friend, like discuss with them, hey, what are you working up to for openers? 
um, and then just get some warm-ups down, okay? Um, That's very, very important. No excuse for not knowing. Because the last thing you want to do, right, is maybe there's kilo plates and you're like, shit, and you're trying to do math in your head. Everyone's trying to jump on the thing. You don't even know what weight to put on. It can quickly turn into a shit show. and They'll miss warm-ups, all that. All right, we got anything coming in? Um, tips. Well, we got. Well, let's go back for the tips one. I'm gonna about to get into a whole for, section on warming, warming up. Tips for close grip benches. Nobody really ever talks technique, and it's a great supplemental exercise. Uh, yeah. So I had a lot of videos on close grip benching. Um, so I do have plenty of info there on our YouTube, even our Instagram. But close grip benching, the big thing for me, most people. Uh, handcuff themselves and what I mean by that is the wrists go inside their elbows and they go closer grip than they really have to or they don't adjust their elbow position or their touch point um, and that is going to put a lot of excess kind of wear and tear on your shoulders and your elbows not good for either uh, I always try to stick with good alignment okay elbows under wrists always so if you're going to go close grip first off don't go too, too close too close will be inside your shoulder width because now you're just you're not going to be able to get your elbows in so you have to at least be shoulder width, okay? So for me, that'd be like right here. I'll usually, if I'm going full range, I'll go pinky on the ring. If I'm going to a board or something, I'll go thumb out from the smooth. Um, that's just for me. Everyone's going to have a different structure and whatnot, but that'll be my close grip. And then you can see kind of, if you're watching on the IG Live, you can kind of see, but um, I'll adjust the touch point a lot lower than I would normally to accommodate for the closer grip so that I can keep elbows under the wrist as I come down. So that will require me for bringing my elbows in a little and bringing the touch point down. And then little tip with the close grip stuff is instead of pressing back, the mechanics of pressing a bar path back um, to get the most out of your press, I would actually try to press straight up or even almost like in a forward motion um, just to stress the triceps. So it depends on your goal. If you're doing close grip bench and trying to lift the most weight, trying to set, you know, rep, whatever, PR, um, which I've done with, like, bands and stuff, I'll press back. I'll do everything that I would to try to lift the most weight. But if I'm doing close grip as an accessory move, like to a board or whatever, um, I'll usually try to keep the bar path straight up and down just to prioritize tricep development a little bit more. So that's my take on the close grip. If you got any other questions on that, let me know. Um, we have a very popular video on wide grip benching as well. Pros and cons of wide grip benching actually has quite a few views on that. Um, so you can check all that out on YouTube. All right, guys, anyone joining in, we are talking about what makes a good meat handler on game day. So if you have an experience from a past meet, you just have a question in general or whatever, feel free to drop it below. Swig of coffee for the working man. Mm-mm-mm. Pause for the cause. I'm going to drop a little something on you. We got 100-pound club shirts on BigBenches.com. Just a little word on that. So if you're aiming for that big 300-pound club, you're going for 400-pound club. Or maybe you just hit that milestone at your past meet. Those shirts are available on BigBenches.com. And if you want to motivate yourself as well, throw that thing in the closet. Don't touch it till you hit that PR. You can do that as well. I got my 700-pound club shirt. I'm looking for that 800. I actually have to make 800-pound club shirt because I don't even have that available because there's probably only a few people that would actually be able to get that. Um, and I always joke, uh, I'll make 1,100-pound shirt just for Tiny Meeker because he's the only dude who's done it. Uh, but I'll send that right to him. Anyways, 
we're going to touch on how to be a good meat handler in the warm-up room now versus everything going on with warm-ups okay warm-ups are about to begin for your lifter first thing you do bring them a chair sit their ass down okay if they don't like to sit down stand their ass next to the chair Okay, but you got to know where they are. If they go to the bathroom, you want to know about that shit. So I, I like when a lifter comes up to me and asks if they have time to go to the bathroom because sometimes I'll tell them, no, you got to freaking take this right now. Last thing you want is your lifter has to take an attempt right now. You planned it out, and they're in the freaking bathroom. All right, hate that shit. So always good to ask whoever's handling you or you're in charge of that. You know, you tell them, sit your ass down. You're not going to the bathroom right now after. All right, you're in charge of that shit. So bring a chair over, sit their ass down. Know where they are at all times. I hate people that wander. No good. If you got to wander in person, lock them up. They're staying next to you. Okay, equipment accounted for. Make sure that all your shit that you set up at the camp comes over to the warm-up room with you that you need. If you need knee wraps, make sure you got them over there with you. You don't want to be scrounging around for equipment um, when you're about to take an attempt. If you don't have wrist wraps, that's a problem. Have your wrist wraps ready. Have everything ready to go. Time out the warm-ups. Kind of already talked about this, but like I said, I suggest six to seven warm-ups. That works really well for the majority of people. Um, you know, if you have someone that's going for a huge amount of weight, um, then, you know, you might cut down the warm-ups. Um, but for the majority, like an average lifter, um, you know, even with good numbers, six to seven is something that I like to stick to. Uh, usually six on squats just because it gets so ruckus in there trying to get attempts in. Um, those are usually sufficient. But you have to time these out. So you don't want to front load them all. So a good example is deadlift. Right, deadlifts go freaking fast. Deadlifts boogie. So you could literally get all your warm-ups in before they're, they're even ready for second attempts. Okay. So you have to space that out. Because you don't want them taking them all and then getting cold for 25 minutes and then trying to pull their opener. Okay, so you have to know, all right, how much time do I have until this flight begins? Where is my lift in the flight? And then take those six to seven temps and divvy them up in even increments. All right, and then sometimes compound lift coaching, we do ship to the UK. Uh, it's a little bit more money, of course, for shipping, but they do go to the UK. I think he wants his 100-pound club shirt. <laughs> Anyways. And I mean, I mean, a bigger number than that. 100-pound club shirt is that we got one through 700. Not saying you bench 100, fella. Um, so, where was I? Got off. You know, swig of coffee for the work of men. Apparently, you need to make uh, big benches shoes. Olympic lifting and chucks. I'll, I'll get on that. I think that'll be good to big bench shoes. Anyways, timing out the warm-ups. Um, so, again, you want to divvy that up evenly. All right. Sometimes if you're squatting something big and you want to just get a few temps in, so doing a plate, doing 200, doing 300, you know, if you're a 700-pound squatter or something, you could get those first attempts in real quick just to kind of get ahead of the curb. Um, but then especially as it gets heavier, you want to space that out because you're going to start burning yourself out. All right. Um, load plates. You should not, your lifter should not be touching any weights if they are lifting. Um, if you are the handler... If you are the coach there, you are touching all the weights. Your lifter's not touching anything, not taking off plates, not running a monolift. They're not putting weight on the bar. All they're doing is getting their ass off the seat, walking to the platform, and lifting the damn weight, sitting their ass down. See, that's my issue. I always want to load plates. I always want to help. Yeah, well, you know, you, just, you can't. 
You just gotta sit down and just let everyone do yeah, stuff. Sit for your you. ass down. Tell them you're not touching anything. Um, but you need enough people back there to help because I mean you can't always expect. And that's what I'm gonna get to right now. Warm, run the warm up groups. That's the best way to make sure your lifter gets on when when they have to get on. And it's just good. It's just it's just good to do. Uh, it's nice to give back. Help run the warm-ups because they don't have people at the meet designated just to help in the warm-up room. You know, that's on coaches and handlers. Um, so don't be a dick and not help someone else out as well. All right, that's just not that's not cool. If, if you're back there and you're helping out, someone needs plates loaded, they're asking for a weight, um, be that guy that puts the plates on. Or if you're running a monolift or something, especially if you're one of the only people that know how to do it, which is usually the case, um, you know, pull the mono for people or set the rack heights. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, some people will just yell out numbers or, or things like that for you, like like you work there. And, yeah, it might come off as a little, um, I don't know, rudish. But, you know, you got to understand, they, they don't know who you are. They don't know if you work for the Fed. You know, you, you, they don't know if you're you're a lifter or what's going on. Um, so they're just nervous trying to get in their attempts. And oftentimes they're first-time lifters. So don't take anything personal. You know, it's just one of those things. Um, most people aren't trying to be dicks back to you or whatever. So just help run stuff. It's just good. It's good practice. Okay. But if you're back there and you're a coach, start running that shit, and you'll be able to get your lifter whenever you want. Because you'll have authority at that point. You'll be like, no, my guy's coming in. <laughs> we got a question or something? Yeah, we got a question from Hans Aran. When would one be better off setting their heels off the ground in the bench press? I know you feel very strongly about this. What's that? One better off setting their heels off the ground in the bench press. So you're just asking when should someone do a toes back tight leg drive? Um, I'm not against that. Uh, I just usually coach feet flat. I think you could be successful either way. Um, you know, I don't think there's any thing necessarily that makes you have to do one over the other uh mostly personal preference so i see a lot of people switch to toes back type leg drive for the sole purpose of trying to get more leg drive but i don't think that's necessary or rather to keep their butt down on the pad which is definitely not necessary um so if you have long it doesn't matter how long your legs are it doesn't matter uh how short the bench is you should not have your butt pop off the pad because it's not about limb lengths or bench heights. It's about how you're controlling your movement and how you're controlling your leg drive. It's literally all it comes down to. I could show you an example. I could set up a long-legged bastard on a little tiny short bench, the worst combo ever, and I, I could show them how to push while keeping their butt down. Not optimal, but there's no excuse for not keeping your butt down in that regard. So... Um, you don't have to switch just because of that. You don't have to switch for more leg drive. You can do great either way. Okay. So, um, you know, I don't think you are better off either. You know, there's no reason you'd have to switch over. It's just preference thing. So I hope that answers it. All right. Anything else there? So far, so good. All right. Papa Fozzie says, I need that 100-pound club just to wear as a joke. That's... uh. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I feel weird wearing my seven hundred pound anywhere because I don't like to bring attention. Plus, it's not technically raw, so everyone gives you a real hard time about wearing a bench shirt. But I say whatever. Seven hundred pounds, seven hundred pounds. 
I train with a guy that's maybe five foot six. How can short guys get better at leg drive? All right, so another issue would be if you can't get your feet on the floor. Uh, so first I would look at your footwear. Can you wear a heeled shoe? Can you wear big old boots? Um, something that will give you that room to get down. Uh, what width is your bench pad? If it's like a fat pad, for example, don't use a fat pad because um, the fat pad is not only going to add height, but it's going to add width. So use something else. Tiny Meeker made my uh, like a great, great bench pad for my gym. Um, I asked for it to be a little bit wider than competition, but um, you set the dimensions. He'll make it for you. Just reach out to him. Um, but, yeah, he made me a great bench pad, so it totally changed the game for our setup. And um, if you can't get your feet down and you're wearing good shoes and whatnot and it's still a problem, um, then you're going to want to put some blocks under your feet. So if you put blocks too, make sure they're not sliding because, remember, you want to push away from the floor. But at a meet, usually they'll have something for that. So like RPS, they have a block unit you could put your feet on. Um, but, yeah. If you're a short guy, it's it's mostly comes down to not being able to get your feet down. Um, but five six, I mean, I'm five eight. I don't really have an issue. So you know, Cast Iron Jim says G Day from Down Under. He's trying to do that in the accent. <laughs> Didn't come out great. Western Australia, what's up, buddy? From Australia, I don't know what time it is for you. I imagine it's all different from here, though. So, it could be like 2 a.m. You're watching us. So, that's dedication. I appreciate it. Anyways. Trying to get that big bench. Yes, sir. This is the place to be. So, we can copy for the working man. You may be wondering why I say that. That's some Stone Cold podcast, but now it's my term. Because, Elvis, what's the rule again? Oh, you have to credit someone three times, then it's officially yours. I've credited them more than three times. It's officially mine. So, we can copy for the working man. 10 p.m. That's still pretty late, bud. Appreciate you watching us. Um, yeah, what's it here? It's, it's like a, we're talking 12 hour difference. 12 time. hours. 12 hour difference. God damn. <laughs> I would like to see Australia. I heard stories. I was talking to an Australian fella, and he was telling me big ass snakes. He worked in like a field or something. Big ass snakes. Um, scary wild animals. I would like to see dingoes. I heard they're good eating. And uh, what else was there? There was something. But scary shit, fella. I don't know if you got rhinos. That'd be cool, too. I heard kangaroos are delicious. Yes, kangaroos. I think the same thing. I think a dingo's a baby kangaroo. I'm pretty or sure that different is animal. Not a different animal. Different animal. <laughs> Equipped or not, the average joke can't move what we move. That is correct. I mean, no one understands a bench shirt till they're in a bench shirt. But you know, I'm not going to waste my breath arguing with anyone about it. I got a couple. If they want to try it. They can try it. A couple more things you can bring as a handler or coach. Sure. You could bring uh, chalk. Chalk. Because I swear the warm up room. Some of them I remember at the Arnold just was no chalk back there. Absolutely, that's a huge one. It's huge. Um, that's called being prepared when your lifter isn't. I mean, but that's not on the lifter. That's also being prepared when the meat isn't prepared. Um, and that comes on the bench pads too. I mean, bring some traction because I'll tell you, warm up room. You can never expect good good bench scenario or anything or even footing even footing for a monolift you might not have anything good so i'll bring yoga mats bring mark bands. bell makes the benchmark bands have all that stuff prepared mobility tools cross balls all that car you're gonna be a hero if you have 
a foam roller for someone. Um, and last last weekend, Mel had a uh, voodoo band for my my elbow. I was getting nasty nerve pain going through from doing knee wraps, and um, man, that that came in clutch. So Mel saved my ass with that one. Scariest thing in uh, Australia is old blokes. Big old with blokes the, with a big bench. Yeah, they're they. Uh, that's the heavy lifting crew, fellow. Do you think a long those old timers can lift? Do you think a longer arm bencher would really have to build up the triceps, as opposed to those with average or shorter arms? Uh, yeah, I think it is probably going to have to take a priority. Um, but you know, I wouldn't train too much different than anyone else. I mean, you're going to address your own weak points and whatnot. But you know, for the most part, I'm going to train you the same way I would train anyone else. Um, all the same principles apply in terms of setting up taking a bar up, all this and that. Um, so nothing really changes for you, but you might find that you are going to have some troubles near lockout. Um, but you may not, who knows? So, yeah, I wouldn't train you any differently. I would just, if you have that weak point, we would address it. Appreciate your videos. My bench has improved since following you. Appreciate that, bud. Appreciate you watching. Um, yeah, anyone watching us, appreciate it very much. I remember no one was watching anything. No one was. Uh, we got probably like five likes on a post. So, um, really cool to have anyone even watching this live. So, I do appreciate it very much. Um, so, we're going to continue warm ups here. Being a good meat handler, if you got any stories, drop them below, questions, whatever. Um, run the warm up group. That's really big. And then change openers if need be. So, you have some time to change an opener. Um, and I'll give you a few examples. So, Last one, right, um, was Jersey, and our lifter qualified for the Arnold, Brandon Densmore. Did awesome, killed it that meet. Um, I actually changed his opener deadlift. Now, I didn't bring him down, I brought him up, because it turned out the scenario played out that, just like we wanted, he had a chance to punch his ticket to the Arnold on his second deadlift. Um, so, what I did, because uh, he needed 590, his opener was a little bit lower, because I was I planned it out like... That would be near a third attempt, something to punch it. Um, I wanted it to be a second, so it played out perfect. But I wanted him to, I wanted to bump the opener up just a tad because we wanted to shoot for it. So I wasn't gonna make him have to take this huge ass jump to get to the second. So we upped the opener a little bit, and it played out perfect. Another scenario, I had a lifter um, who was looking not so great in the warm-up room with deadlifts, um, and then you know you can make the call there that we should really lower this opener. You know, and that ho happened with my last meet as well because um, I hit that big bench multiply. I did my other two lifts raw just to get back into it, and I lowered my, my deadlift opener an immense amount. And my back was absolutely trashed, and I, did, I wanted that bench to count, so I made it really, really low. But you can, uh, yeah, you can adjust those things um, and, you know, adjust equipment. If you have a multiply person, too. You're all in there, adjusting straps, doing all that, wrist or um, timing out knee wraps. You got to know when to time them. Um, if you're fast getting them on, usually I can start someone after the in the hole person goes. Um, so usually in the hole is when you really got to listen for your lifter. That's three out. Um, on deck is next up. So I sometimes, if it's a quick wrap, I'll start someone on deck. You remember, you got 60 seconds to get up there, take full advantage. Um, no rush, never rushed. And then in a hole, usually if I really have to crank something on, it takes a little more time. Um, so that's everything in the warm-up room.
Scott Wallace says, I always wanted to try a bench shirt, see what I can lift. Well, it's not probably going to be all sunshine and rainbows at first, my friend. It's very, very frustrating. Very frustrating. My recommendation, if you did and you got um, like a poly shirt or something, get it, get it loose at first. Because um, it's very advanced to ask a lifter to break in a very tight shirt. Um, but there's some other options out there now, like Bench Daddy, like Bench Freak shirt there by Rich Putnam. Um, so you have some things uh, you can play with that are much more of like learning curves, very small. Like you'll just get in it and do well. But an actual bench shirt like Poly made and what whatnot, uh, that's a real bitch. So get something loose enough to get some work in there. Um, so warm ups are done. That's it. Done deal. Your lifter is going to the platform. Okay. Make sure you adjust them up there. So if they are getting under the bar to squat, go up there. Make sure that you can position them center on the bar. All right. Don't rely on the back spot or do that, but they probably won't. As you know, like I know some lifters who actually take the bar out just slightly to the left. I know it's not a problem. I don't, I don't have to be super specific with it. I know if I probably center them, probably throw them off, if anything. So make sure you go up there. You line them up. That's your duty as a coach or handler. All right, make sure they're good. You know, give them a little tap. Tell them some cues before they go, whatever. And then you can back out of there, or if they allow you, you can continue to back spot. You know, if you're going up to bench press, right, make sure the height is good. That can really throw a lifter off. I remember Arnold 2018, I was handling um, Louis, Louis Bond, um, a good friend of mine, and we were rushing to get up there for the first bench attempt, the opener, and the rack height was really low, but we did not have time to adjust it. It was literally like they were calling for like five seconds, so we had to like get in there and go. Um, you know, again, that's on me because we had to get his wrist wraps and it was very hard to hear the calls. I did not know his name was even called. Um, so it was a tough scenario. We had to get him up there and the rack height was super low. So literally I had to like freaking deadlift it up two feet to get up to him. Um, and it should be something that he, he smokes, but he completely missed that attempt. It was not good. I did not set a good pace for the bench. Um, but we set the rack height, uh, the next one got it right, crushed it. So you know, setting the rack height is very, very important. That can throw you off completely. If it's too low, usually done deal on the bench. Forget it. If they have to pull you up to get you out, it's very easy to lose the shoulders. Completely done deal. Um, so rack height is very important. So your duty as a coach handler, make sure all that stuff is all good to go. Double check the mono. Make sure that they even changed it because sometimes maybe they forget to change it. Um, you just got to have all those things thought out. All right. Cue them during their performance. Now, you can't completely say a bunch. Of, you can't say them a paragraph, okay? These have to be short cues, um, quick things that are going to provide an instant change. So, I don't know if they're getting forward in the squat or something, just yelling back or reminding them beforehand to push into the bar, get their back tighter. Um, you know, hips, like the common one in deadlift, you hear everyone yelling out hips, hips, hips. So it's just a little mental reminder for the lifter, um, you know, once they cross the knees there, that they're really trying to activate the hips more than anything to get those through. Um, on the bench, yelling back is really common because you don't want your lifter starting to press um, out in front or away. Just be careful on the bench because there's been scenarios where I've accidentally yelled out around the same time the press was coming in and then 
it starts to turn into a little weird area there where they they didn't really hear the press or did they jump it or whatnot. So um, don't don't talk when the press is coming in. So there's a lot of commands in the bench and you don't want to be talking over that. Um, so cue them during the performance. Very short cues though. Put in the numbers. Your lifter should not be putting in any of the numbers. You're calling their numbers, whether they're the coach or the handler. If you're handling someone that has a coach that isn't there, which isn't a good thing, make sure that you know what their plan is for the day. Um, but you go in and put those numbers in after, all right? Uh, don't have them do it. Just get them down. Sit their ass down, right? Put in those numbers, whatever they are. Um, you can ask them. So sometimes before I put in a, a number, I want to make sure I ask the lifter, how did that feel? Um, you know, is there anything concern there, whatever? So if it's more technical thing, I feel confident boosting their number up or whatever. Swiggy coffee for the working man. Yeah, if you're not going, you should either be sitting or leaning. Yes. Pretty good rule. Yeah, if you're not going, you shouldn't worry about anything as a lifter. I mean, a handler, coach, that's their job. That's why you have them there. Okay, so they are just sitting their ass down, doing that whole deal, resting, eating, whatever. And that's the next thing I'm getting to. The last thing here, tell them when to eat and give them a little time guide. Okay, so after they're done with their third attempt, they like, sit your ass down, eat some food, drink some water, this or that. All right. Um, remind them of the things they have to do, simple things. Um, and give them a time guide. Be like, okay, we got 20 minutes, so we have to start warming up. Just so they can pace what they're doing, okay? A lot of things comes down to timing. Uh, if they're taking more pre-workout or something, right? Make sure they know how long they have until they have to begin again. If they want to go out to get something to eat, make sure they know how much time. If they're running to the bathroom, make sure they know how much time. So I'm always, if I see my lifter in the back there, I'm always kind of giving them a little time guide. Like, hey, we got about 20 minutes till we need to go again. Uh, and just shouting that stuff out at them. But I'm letting them have them space at that time. Because um, I don't want to get in their ear too much. Typically how I'll work at a meet is um, after everything's completed, you know, we'll go back to the camp or whatever. But, um, you know, I try not to uh, you know, talk too much or intervene then. We talk about the lift. But, um, you know, then I let them just have some space to chill, listen to the music, whatever they want to do. All right. So, I mean, that, you see, there's a lot that goes into being a good meat handler to coach. And, you know, it comes down to just being there for the lifter. Uh, if you say you're going to handle someone at a meet, that's a very big responsibility. All right. Because their success, they, you know how hard they worked in that training cycle to get to that point. You know, it's your responsibility to guide them through that performance. All right, so that's a really big thing. If you, especially if you say you're gonna be there for someone, you gotta be there for them on that day. All right, no excuses. Um, so, you know, there's a lot that goes into it, right, Elvis? Oh, there's so much. Ton. I mean, being a meat handler is harder than being a lifter. To be honest with you, there's a lot more you worry about. If you're a lifter, you should really just be sitting there and performing. Another thing you could bring as a handler or a coach, uh, salt. Yeah. At, at the past meet this like weekend, salt and stuff. Nah, smelling salt, eating salt, like noon tabs or something. Yeah. Both of them. I don't, I don't know how many people came up to me on Saturday asking if they had any salt for their lifter. It must have been <laughs> like three or four people. It, it was. Yeah. Yeah, well, cramps is a really big thing, especially in heat. Um, so having noon tabs available, um, this and that, that helps a lot. So having, uh, having all that available is uh, very important. But, yeah, to recap for you real quick, I mean, before the meet even starts, gather in a little area, check in flights, time everything out, you know, have a warm-up sheet, 
reach the rack heights um you know be prepared ahead of time even if your lifter isn't make sure they're going to have everything they need uh, warm-ups you know make sure your lifters are sitting down everything's accounted for they have all their equipment you know time everything out if they're taking six or seven attempts they should not be loading any weights whatsoever all right don't make elvis load his plates again uh run well. the, <laughs> adjust the heights for everything run the warm-up group that's the easiest way to get someone in um and then make sure that your timing out wraps that whole deal um, adjust them at the platform cue them during the performance put in their number tell them to sit their ass down and eat food which you know someone should be happy to hear <laughs> uh, Trey, Trey says looking forward to coming up there and lifting with you guys looking forward to that as well my friend uh, Trey sweet coffee for the working man Trey will be coming down in August uh, he is one of our lifters from Texas uh, he will be coming down to uh, get some training in Wednesday, we're going to do some squat on Thursday. Friday, we got our live webinar, guys. I'm going to talk a little bit about that, but I'm um, looking forward to having Trey help demo some stuff out. Um, so it'll be nice having a little bit helping hand for that, and we're going to learn a lot that day. Um, that's going to be a real fun one. So August 9th, guys, that's Friday, uh, 10 a.m., the live webinar starts. If you cannot make that exact time, you will be receiving a uh, way to watch that afterwards. So no matter what, you're going to get the info. If you can be live with us, you can interact, ask questions, get what you need out of it. It's essentially a bench clinic. A bench clinic ticket can be as much as $100. This event is under $10. Okay, and you're not even going to pay until the day. All you have to do is reserve your seat. You can do that by going to bigbenches.com. We do have a couple promotions on right now. Um, first one is you're going to receive our six-week Full Power Program, which is a $50 value on our site, that is completely free for early registration. So all you do is early registrate there, and you will be given that completely free. Uh, I don't know why you wouldn't do that because I'm giving away a $50 thing for free um, just for reserving your seat. And then also we have a um, quick drop on this. is we got an online course that we've been filming. Uh, it's very heavily detailed right it was, oh it's, it's everything it's we got nuts we got 30 something videos in there i got pdfs um you know it's everything you need to become a awesome venture and you have access to that throughout the whole online course it comes with a program um you are going to receive that once uh once it opens up in september so i'm shooting for like a september first release of that online course and i'll have some pre-registration stuff as well but for joining us in the live webinar, you know, essentially being part of our VIP group, which is how you get that uh, access to the, the webinar, being part of our VIP group, um, which comes with all its other bonuses as well, which you can check out bigbenches.com on the homepage, um, you are going to receive 50% off that online course, which is going to be huge because that's literally, it's, it's everything you need, guys, to become better at the bench press. We film in everything. Um, there's six modules to it, so all online, all there for you to access and whatnot, become a better bencher, touch on all the details, okay, so a lot of good stuff coming out just for joining the live webinar, so all you got to do again, bigbenches.com slash bench clinics, you'll see the tab bench clinics, at the bottom, our live webinar is right there, um, just click on it, and you're good to go, 
So please join us on that day. That is August 9th, Friday, 10 a.m. All right, we're going to be dropping all the knowledge. Trey joining us. Really pumped for that. I'll also be going out to Texas um, September 7th, I believe it is. Yep, and I will be uh, coaching up our lifters, Trey and uh, Adam. So I'll be doing everything that we just talked about today on the podcast. Oh, we got a buzzer beater question. What do we got? How should people train primarily for hypertrophy train the bench press as opposed to power lifters? I know the stronger you get, the more muscles you'll have. Um, so what? what is this What is this asking? It takes me a while. It's early. It's all good. So is this a bodybuilder asking about hypertrophy yep. training? Using the bench plate to train hypertrophy versus for uh How should people strength. training primarily for hypertrophy? So... You're going for more to bodybuilding um, aesthetics type of thing, opposed to, I think, opposed you meant to powerlifters. Um, so, if you're training for hypertrophy, if you're a bodybuilder, um, you don't have to listen to anything I said. You know, the only thing that you, <laughs> only thing that you have to uh, keep in mind is keeping your shoulders in a good position, because um, that's just good injury prevention. Uh, but other than that, I mean, you're probably not going to want to use leg drive. You're probably not going to detail your arch and all that. You're not going to worry about the little ins and outs and whatnot. You're just trying to keep your shoulders healthy so you can bench press long term. But you're going to stress a lot more upper body. But I am telling you, it would be good to train like a power lifter for a good period of time because if you see your strength increase, your numbers increase, I tell you, the best hypertrophy I have ever gotten is seeing my numbers increase in those big three. So there is a lot of value to that, um, just lifting more. I would uh, also argue that you can do a dumbbell bench press instead of barbell bench press. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the dumbbell, you can get more activation, so that would probably be the way to go majority of the time. Uh, the only thing is that um, barbell bench press, you can lift more weight. And, you know, I just talked about how uh, lifting more is one of the best ways to grow. So... That's where you're going to get the best bang for your buck is with the barbell bench press. But um, in terms of hypertrophy, you want to make sure you're getting dumbbells in there. Absolutely. Because uh, just talking like small stabilizing muscles as well, you want to promote growth there too. So that's very, very important. Uh, bench is the only lift I do for power, Papa Fozzi. Everything else is for building. Yeah, I mean, accessories, you want pretty much kind of treat them like a bodybuilder for the most part i mean some big secondary stuff you want to really get the weight up on an attack but accessories for the most part yeah you want to uh you know, take your time time under tension that type of deal we're focusing more on actually growing the muscle and uh, everyone out there you know i'm not i'm not opposed to it but i hate seeing everyone doing all these little diets and getting and getting smaller <laughs> driving me nuts <laughs> everyone at the gym's cutting weight for some reason um, I just miss the old days where everyone's trying to get big and fat, because that's what I'm trying to do. So everyone's dieting, I'm eating, I'm eating Chipotle and God knows what around everyone. I came into the gym the other day, I had two empanadas, a big ass pizza, and uh, was Chipotle, it, two Chipotles. Was it a real pizza or was it a frozen pizza? No, it was a real pizza from a real pizza, a big, big slice. Respectable. Yeah, two empanadas, big pizza, Chipotle. Pounded that, pounded the Chipotle after. Two Chipotles. Um trying to get big around here but yeah that's i just bring that up because if you're trying to do hypertrophy work you're trying to gain muscle you need to give your body the substance to build the muscle so if you're not if you're cutting it's more valuable that you um go for a different type of training effect which is 
max effort type work to, ins- to get that nervous system uh, working how it has to or uh, speed work type of stuff. Everything to train the nervous system, more the components that go into strength via that than actually gaining size because if you're cutting and trying to gain size, it's kind of a little bit of an oxymoron because uh, you're actually trying to maintain as best you can. You're not really going to gain size unless you eat enough. All right. End of the day, swole is the goal. Size is the prize. It's gains of clocks, motherfuckers. Let's go. That's great. Great way to end it. I can't really top that up. Yeah, Papa Fozzie wins today. <laughs> Alrighty. So that's the podcast, guys. Thanks for joining us. Um, next week, you know where to find us. All right. Near the bench at the desk, Big Benches HQ. And you are listening to The Bench Cast.